0: Sam Nielsen was born and raised in Utah. He served a full-time mission to the Italy Cantania Mission. He attended Snow College, Utah State University, and the University of Texas at Austin, where he studied mechanical engineering, English, and library science. Sam works with the Grandin Press in the library on campus. Sam met his wife, Paula, at Utah State, they have four children, one of which is conducting the congregational hymns for us today. In his spare time, Sam enjoys fishing, reading, writing, and book binding. Thank you for that music, and thank you for all for singing. One of the most reliable ways of feeling the Spirit comes from your effort with singing, no matter your skill level. Let's call this effort a miracle of rolled-up sleeves. Your effort yields spiritual results. Last week, Sister Amy A. Wright made a very good point in her devotional about learning how the Holy Ghost speaks to you. I reiterate her questions. How do you hear the voice of the Lord? How does the Holy Ghost speak to you? Her advice is priceless and well worth study and reflection. My topic today is the publication of the 1830 Book of Mormon. In the 1450s, Johannes Gutenberg invents movable type and press and ink. Unfortunately, we know little detail here other than it took much development time and its utility rapidly became evident and spread throughout Europe. Let's examine this through two quotes, one lightly attributed to Gutenberg, He says, speaking of the press, God suffers in the great multitudes whom his sacred word cannot reach. Religious truth is captive in a small number of manuscript books which guard the common treasure instead of diffusing it. Let us break the seal which holds the holy things. Give wings to the truth that by means of speech, no longer written at great expense by the hand that wearies itself, but multiplied as the air by an unwearied machine. It may seek, fly to seek every soul born into the world." It's a very amb- ambitious thought. What did this invention of printing do for us? One study looked at book production in Europe from 500 to 1800 AD, and it says that during the first 50 years of printing, more copies of books were produced than the thousand years preceding. That is an explosion of information for the good of man. 1803, Charles Mahon, 3rd Earl of Stanhope, invents an all-iron press. This iron press allows the printing of larger sheets of paper, so a machine that prints more and faster. You can see the difference here. ulzi holds the smaller paper used for printing the Gutenberg Bible. I am holding the size used for printing the Book of Mormon. 1822–1823 Peter Smith patents a press and it is offered for sale by the Robert Hoe Company. Some accounts list the Smith Press as being the most popular press during the 1820s and 1830s. October 26, 1825 Erie Canal opens and runs along the north side of Palmyra. The canal was three hundred and sixty three miles in length and it linked the Hudson River with Lake Erie. The canal was busy. Two packet boats came and went daily in Palmyra. A history of Palmyra in its one hundred seventy fifth year says this The Heyday of Palmyra, eighteen twenty five through the eighteen forties was, of course, during the period known as the canal era. The village during this time was called the Queen of the Erie, and her appearance was said to resemble a city in the Netherlands. 1827 E. B. Grandin purchased The Prince Shop and Wayne Sentinel newspaper, and in 1828 E. B. Grandin publishes his first book. I had wondered whether the Book of Mormon was Grandin's first book, but so far identifiable, Grandin published about six books. Or editions between 1828 and 1832. Most of these were 100 to 200 pages long, so the Book of Mormon was not his first attempt. Early 1829, it is thought that Grandin purchased his Smith Press in New York City and that it was delivered on the Erie Canal. The Press could print 21 by 30 inches in size and weighed in the neighborhood of 1,500 pounds. Grandin now advertised his business as book and job printing. June 11, 1829, Joseph Smith filed for copyright on the Book of Mormon. Copyright law required the deposit of a title page and that an author be listed. I doubt they would have accepted God as the author for legal purposes, so Joseph Smith, Jr. appears as the author. The title page here is somewhat different than what actually appears in the book. Joseph Smith and company had applied to Grandin to print the book, and he refused. They went to Rochester, perhaps on the Erie Canal, and approached Thurlow Weed and Elihu F. Marshall. Weed refused it, and Marshall agreed to print it. The price was deemed too high, and the cost of keeping someone in Rochester to shepherd the manuscript through the process would have been exorbitant. Meanwhile, Grandin was convinced by his friends that he should print the book. August 1829, the printing commences. The contracted price for these five thousand copies was $3,000. Today that would be about $95,000. Imagine your bishop asking you for such a donation. The security was tight. If you remember the lost 116 pages, you know the heartbreak and stress that caused. So they would be careful with this manuscript. Gilbert says this. Hiram Smith brought the first installment of manuscript of 24 pages closely written on common fool's cap paper. He had it under his vest and vest and coat closely buttoned over it. At night, Hiram Smith came and got the manuscript, and with the same precaution carried it away. The next morning, with the same watchfulness, he brought it again and at night took it away. They were to print every day except Sunday. There were questions of grammar, punctuation, and so forth. Gilbert was told to set the text as is, but he was allowed to punctuate the manuscript, create paragraphs and chapters. Gilbert mentions that Joseph Smith was present but once in the office during the printing of the Bible and then not over 15 or 20 minutes. In fact, Joseph left Palmyra for Harmony, Pennsylvania in October of 1829. The prophet left Palmyra during the printing. Who would he leave? Who would he choose to leave in charge? In answer I have two thoughts. The prophet had business elsewhere, so delegation. Hiram held the manuscript. Oliver acted as companion and bodyguard to Hiram in delivering to the printer a daily supply of copy. Peter Whitmer, Jr. was stationed on guard at Hiram's home to protect the manuscript. The second thought, E.B. Grandin allowed others to use his shop to print their newspapers. On one Sunday in January of 1830, Hiram Smith became very uneasy about the situation and requested that Oliver Cowdery go with him to see. Hiram says, I shall not stop to consider the matter any longer, for I am going. You may suit yourself about the matter, but I will not suffer such an uneasiness any longer without knowing the cause. They went to Grandin's shop and found Abner Cole lifting text from the Book of Mormon project and putting it in his newspaper, The Reflector. He was trying to print the gist of it so his readers would not need to buy a copy of the book. Joseph Smith, Sr. went and retrieved Joseph Smith, Jr. from Harmony, Pennsylvania, a distance of some 278 miles, to help resolve the dispute. Mr. Cole was willing to fistfight Joseph over it but Joseph refused. Hiram Smith was likely in charge of the printing—the shepherd, if you will. Who else would have authority to receive such inspiration for the project? Another instance of worry. Oliver Cowdery and Roland Robinson, a printer's devil or apprentice, overheard a small religious group of Palmyra townspeople plotting to destroy the manuscript and Oliver reported this to Lucy max Smith, who, being warned, could prevent it. Their plan was to trick her into showing the, them the manuscript, draw her attention elsewhere, then grab it from her hands and throw it into the fire. Mother Smith never showed them the pages and attempted to teach them its purpose, and at one point she said to them, If you should stick my flesh full of firebrands and even burn me at the stake, I would declare, as long as God should give me breath, that Joseph has got that record and that I know it to be true. John Gilbert and J. H. Bortles worked faithfully on the printing until December of 1829, when it was decided the printing was going too slow. So Grandin hired Whistlin Tom Macaulay to help print, along with Bortles. John H. Gilbert then did mostly typesetting, and an additional type was purchased. The additional type and pressmen helped the process move faster. January of 1830, another group of Palmyra townspeople drew up a resolution stating that they would not purchase copies of the Mormon Bible and convinced a worried Grandin to stop printing. Joseph Smith came from Harmony a second time, and with Martin Harris they convinced Grandin to continue printing. Now, A print run of 5,000 copies is a large production. To give you a sense of the scale, an 1830 census of Palmyra shows it had about 3,400 people. As a business model, Grandin selling 5,000 copies to 3,400 people seems a bit skewed. But I think our Heavenly Father's business model is a bit more informed. This project required 92,500 sheets of paper, 22 by 32 inches, assuming no mistakes were made. I estimate that much much paper would be about 31 feet tall. Now, I am 6 feet tall. This stack of paper would be five times my height. This paper had a wove surface quality, which was a relatively new thing in the U.S. during the late 1820s, so a ready paper supply had to be nearby. The paper was likely made and delivered by the Case and Brown Mill in Shortsville, New York, about eight miles south of Palmyra. No copy of the book could be bound until the last form was printed. The folded sheets were stored awaiting binding. Luther Howard, the bookbinder, bound the books as needed for sale. Daniel Hendricks says this, I was a young man in a store in Palmyra, New York, from 1822 until 1830. The publication of the book of 590 pages was published with spirit, but until it was completed not a copy was allowed to leave the office. But every volume was packed in an upper room, and the pile they made struck me at the time and has since been vividly in my mind as comparing in size and shape with a cord of wood, and I called it a cord of Mormon Bibles. Incidentally, a cord of wood is four foot by four foot by eight foot, or 128 cubic feet. This cord of Bibles actually would be about one and a half cords, or 180 cubic feet. March 26, 1830. on this day, a Friday, copies of the Book of Mormon were advertised for sale in Grandin's newspaper, The Wayne Sentinel. One could buy a copy originally for $1. $.75, but it was later reduced to a dollar and a quarter. April 6, 1830. Within about 10 days of the Book of Mormon being available for purchase, the church was officially and formally instituted. I don't think that's a coincidence. The Book of Mormon needed to be there. I still ponder that idea. I believe the publication of the Book of Mormon to be a miracle. I think there were traditional miracles in the publication, perhaps with some angelic beings and appearances that we simply do not know about. But, as it is, I like to think of these miracles as a miracle of rolled up sleeves. I believe the miracle is in the people. They were the right people in the right place, at the right time, with the right skills and the righteous sensibility to do the work. I believe that our Heavenly Father placed the circumstances in favor of these people doing the work. They did their jobs as they were expected to do. In a previous devotional, Brother Lane Williams relates an interview with Gilbert who talks about the origins of the content of the Book of Mormon. Gilbert says this, the parties here then never could have been the authors of it, certainly. I have been for the last 45 or 50 years trying to get the key to that thing. Brother William says this, sadly, the interview records Mr. Gilbert casting around for some alternative explanation of the book's origin, not an earnest seeking of the truth of Joseph's saving story. But where are you on this? Have you prayed about the Book of Mormon, about the content, the story, and the truth of it? The book, after all, represents the many thousands or millions of early inhabitants of this continent who gave us their history, their lives, and it represents the word of God, Jesus Christ, and his momentous visit to the new world. You have in your hand that text. I am overwhelmed from your responses on the devotional discussion board. I thank you for participating. Listen to these benefits your fellow students list. Aperil says, It helps me to answer my personal questions about life. Roxanne says, I feel more confident with my day and protection from the temptations of the world and the anxiety that it brings. Elena says, I find more joy in my life. And Sherry says, it helps me to be more patient, kind, and positive throughout my day. This Book of Mormon journey continues. As of October 2020, 192 million copies have been published in 112 different languages. I believe that figure does not include the e downloads for devices. And I suspect that most of you have paper copies as well as digital ones. More on this miracle of the rolled-up sleeves. An individual can affect much with their work. Take the case of a bishop or stake president. They would direct the ward or the stake by the Spirit. Neither of them can do the entire work alone. That is where you and I come into this equation. Our directed work helps the ward or stake to function and thereby further the work of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. In 2002, President Gordon B. Hinckley spoke to the students here and said this in reference to the transition from Ricks College to BYU, Idaho, under then-President David A. Bednar, I do not know of anyone else. Who could have overseen and brought about the miracle that has occurred on this campus? I assure you that it is a miracle. Much of that miracle is a miracle of the rolled up sleeves. Many, many people on this campus went to work and effected that miracle and continue to do so. President Hinckley continues and speaks to you directly I wish for you nothing
1: but the best. I are so choice and so wonderful and the future so great that you can't afford to betray yourselves in any way and to do anything less than that which each of you is capable of accomplishing. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a straight-A student. You just have to do your very best. With all the capability that you have, you have to do your very best. And somehow if you do that, God will open the way before you and the sun will shine and your lives will be fruitful and you'll accomplish great good in the world in which you take a part. I couldn't wish for you anything better as I look into your faces this day. There's no... (coughs) No end in sight for the good you could do. Do You know it? You're just simple kids. You're not geniuses, I know that. <laughs> but the work of the world isn't done by geniuses. It's done by ordinary people who've learned to work in an extraordinary way. People of your kind who can do these things.
0: He continues his advice, Don't sell yourself short. Look into the mirror and say, I can do the right thing today, God being my helper, and I will do it. Your efforts will present your miracle, as President Hinckley says, in an extraordinary way. You cannot underestimate your own value. In Moroni 7, Mormon says this, Wherefore I would speak unto you that are of the Church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ. For I remember the word of God, which saith, By their works ye shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. And the thing to do comes in Moroni 10. You all know the verses. First you put forth the effort of reading the Book of Mormon. And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that ye would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And then comes this promise and miracle and by the power of the Holy Ghost ye may know the truth of all things. I leave this promise of a miracle with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.